I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The Andy J Podcast. Hey there, welcome to episode 101 of the Andy J Podcast. I'm so glad we have broken the back of 100 now. When we were in the early 90s, I was sort of feeling that pressure growing, wondering how we were going to mark episode 100. And actually, what we did, if you were a listener, if you heard it, and if you haven't, you really should go back and check it out because it's hilarious, is we just chose a brilliant, brilliant guest. That was the best way to mark 100 episodes. And that guest was, of course, Mr. Harry Hill. One of my favourite conversations. Uh, Just so much fun. I'm still, I mean, it was a couple of weeks ago now, and I'm still bouncing from the fun of that recording. It really was terrific. I love Harry. So if you haven't heard the last 100 episodes, please do dip your toe in. We have some huge stars making some massive, massive confessions. And, I mean, there's a reason why we've had lots and lots and lots of press interest on many, many, many of our conversations because people are so honest and people are so real and we're really, really privileged to have chats like this. And and today, that is one of these conversations. We are having one of those conversations today which is, which is deep and fascinating and insightful and where I think you will learn a lot about yourself and about human nature. Talking to a man called Paul Catamol. Paul is a man with a fascinating story to tell from instant fame and overnight success with one of the biggest pop acts of a generation, S Club 7 to bankruptcy and then a total reset of his life he's now a psychic detective he's a wizard with the tarot cards and he's a really really interesting guy he's got a fascinating story to share and he shares in a very very open way so i i really think you'll get a lot from this chat here is paul catamar the andy j podcast it gives me great pleasure to welcome Paul Catamol. How are you doing, Paul? Very well, thank you, Andy. Now, How are you? I, I'm, I'm good. I'm really pleased with chatting, Paul. Now, it's, it's sort of ridiculous and silly to try and sum up somebody's life. You're 44 years old, exactly the same as me. It's ridiculous to sort of sum up somebody's life in a little introduction. And that's why we have an hour to chat. Because <laughs> you have lived, if you don't mind me saying, at least on paper, a truly fascinating existence. Yes, I think it could be fair to say that um, there's been lots of lots of ups and some downs, um, but that is life. I think it's really important to learn to take the rough with the smooth. Um, and yeah, it has been. I mean, I've been very lucky. I've probably lived about five lifetimes. Well, yeah. I mean, this is the thing. You've you've certainly had at least three careers, from what I can tell, and that that is about five lifetimes. That's fair. But just the, <laughs> the things you've done, the things you've seen. 
I mean, from from the extreme highs, let, you know, I don't want to sort of dwell forever on the past because there's really interesting things happening in your present, and and I imagine you're perfectly placed to know what's going to happen in your future. But we'll we'll get on to that. <laughs> I've sort of sown the seeds of these of those two kind of confusing words, psychic detective. I've no idea what that means. I, I'm looking forward to learning what that means. But can we start with your journey at the beginning? You know, you're a young man. You had three siblings, a, a brother, two brothers, and a sister, and you were a young performer growing up in the St. Albans area. You were a member of the National Youth Music Theatre. You know, you were, you took to the stage. It was, it was your calling when you were younger. Yes. Uh, I did West Side Story. That was the first big thing I did with the St. Albans Operatic Society. Uh, and it was great being like the youngest member of a cast. Um, I did, I played Baby John in, in that show. Um, I loved it. And yeah, I was called to do stage work. Um, I was also at the same time though, still this so this is still back at secondary school, in a band, formed band at secondary school with mates. Um, it was actually called Wide Load at the beginning when we did um when we were doing covers. And then we started doing originals and we changed the name. Um and it was a good it was a, a good band, a good rock band. But my my sort of yearning was for acting. So I went off to drama school. I mean, the NYMT thing, the National Youth Music Theatre, was an amazing experience because I was only 16 and to perform at like the city centre theatre in Taipei, Taiwan, wow. was was amazing. And to perform just off Broadway um, in a theatre in New York and the Edinburgh Festival Theatre as well. Um, three amazing theatres for such a young person um, w- was amazing and we were in a really good show it was called Pendragon the story of King Arthur it was a lot of fun a lot of fun and a great experience from such a young age and that's a really interesting time in your life as well Paul because as a 16 year old boy you're you're still learning about who you are your body is still growing you're finding yourself with a deeper voice and with all kinds of new urges and you're noticing girls in a really big way. All of that's going on. Meanwhile, you're flying around the world performing with cool people on, on massive stages. That's, that's pretty interesting. Very, very. I remember uh, we got to, we were in Hong Kong and we got to this hotel. It was called the King Panda Hotel. Oh, I love it already. <laughs> yeah. It had a giant panda on the side of it and, uh, Wow. The um, <laughs> just the experience of being able to, I mean, buy cocktails on the top floor. <laughs> I don't think we were meant to be, but um, <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. These things were big. <laughs> yes, and uh, yeah, it was it was it was amazing. Saw many many cool things. Um. But but it led to me going to drama school. I actually did a BTEC uh, at Barnet College for two years in performing arts. Then I did a three year course at Mount View, um, and that was which I had to get a county scholarship for, which was a lot of fun. And that was, it was an amazing learning curve. I mean, like you just said, like at sixteen, you kind of don't really know who you are necessarily. You're still growing. But going to drama school at such a young age, um, because the average age of the students was mid twenties, maybe late twenties, to be fair. Right. Uh, 
and and so it, I spent my whole sort of like youth working on things where I was often the youngest person. Yes, and what's really interesting there, Paul, you know, you mentioned the scholarship. I think the thing that is very clear, very apparent underneath all of this is the talent. You know, you don't get a scholarship into a drama school which is occupied by people a lot older than you without having some serious skills. Well, thank you for saying so. Thank you for saying so. My my, my teachers would love to hear that. They um they 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 were they were very fair with me actually. They when we did a show when we did Hamlet, they um I was the only person who got to play one part the whole way through. The way they divided it up is uh, someone got to be Hamlet for every act. So okay, that, so that was cool. If you got to be Hamlet, fair play. But I was the only person who got to be Polonius the whole way through. Oh, nice, good role. And when I'm getting the the note session after, where we have to go in on our own, surrounded by the directors and heads of certain departments, I actually the guy who was in charge of speech, um, Nigel Rideout who's like really well known for his uh, work. He basically, I, I told a bit of a porcupine, I said that I'd, I'd never really read very well, <laughs> which was which was a lie. <laughs> I mean, I'd read Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and James and the Giant Peach. <laughs> lovely, lovely. <laughs> but but um, um, he couldn't believe, basically, they, were, they, they weren't holding it back how impressed they were with the way I did this part. Nice. Yeah, I, I no. Thanks for saying so because I'm not gonna. I'm not. I'm not gonna blow my own trumpet. But I was good. Well, I was th- good at what I did. I think that's apparent. You know, that's and I guess the reason why I point that out, Paul, partly is because we are often our own worst critics and we forget. You know, I mean, you and I at 44, we've lived long lives now, the longest we've ever lived, at least. And and you mm. know, 16, 20, and so on is so far distant in the memory. You kind of do forget where your talents were, and you know, so it's. If you're getting scholarships and so on, and people are pointing out how good you are and so on, then then that's all there, which which is, I guess, where I'm getting to is it, it then must have been, there's a question in a very long-worded way, it must have been a bit of a culture shock then going into a, a heavily manufactured pop act. Yes, a very different sort of thing. Um, hey, at least, at least some of my skills were utilised, like, so the dancing that I've done, um, that was important. Um, and the acting, I mean, what I knew straight away when it was discussed at the very beginning that we were going to be doing a TV show, I mean, it was really, really, I, I you know, I, I knew it wasn't going to be Shakespeare. That, was, that would have been very foolish to think. I knew it was going to be a sort of 5.35, prime time, when kids have got in from school, that kind of thing that is, um, you know, just helps you relax something that you don't have to concentrate on too hard yeah it's just like entertainment in that kind of way um but I, I look back on the filming of the tv show very fondly it was a great time in my life it was great to be working in miami and la and working with a very experienced crew i mean our dolly grip was the dolly grip from raging bull oh wow so we you know we got to meet some big time crew members well, let's just, I mean, let's just sort of do a quick summary of the the, the highlights, as it were, the, the kind of outstanding achievements from S Club 7, because I, I actually think it's quite important to 
highlight the prominence of the band because it's easy to kind of look on S Club Seven as this pop act and you know are they you know, whatever, but actually you were massive. You had hits all around the world. You were playing to huge venues, sellout audiences. You had, I mean, hundreds if not millions of young ladies fancying the pants off you for many years, as you say, spin-off TV shows, spin-off movies, actually, in the band as well. I mean, the band was colossal, absolutely colossal. Yes. I, uh, so there's a saying, um, when you're in the eye of the storm, you can't really see what's going on on the outside. It's very calm in the eye of the storm, isn't it? Yeah. I, I mean, I at the time, I knew it was big, but I wasn't really truly aware of the impact that it had had on people's lives in a positive way, which was great to find out years down the line um, with, you know, people actually coming up and saying so um, when I was out and about. Generally, in nightclubs, when I've made some public appearances, people would come up and say things like, "It, thanks, thanks for all the help you helped me through a really difficult time in my life and I remembered this song for that reason because I was doing my exams um, and I was crying about this and that and your guys' song came on the radio and and it just lifted me and I the very touching moments um, I can't thank those people enough for actually coming up and saying that yes that must be I mean that's a that's a surreal byproduct isn't it because of course I mean, the thing, the, the sort of thing we know about S Club Seven is that you were a, a very bright, shining star as a as a group for a few years. I mean, you had, as I say, you had lots of hits. You had the movies, you had the TV shows, etc. You were international. I mean, lots, lots, and lots and lots of time in Miami, and it was a colossal success. But it suddenly stopped. You know, as with a lot of these things, they just they just finish, and so there's this huge void. I mean. The, you were living it. You were living and breathing it. You were in the band, a huge part of the band, and then and then it all comes to an end. Yeah. It must have been very weird to get your head around it all. Yeah. I, th- I think it's fair to say that bands like that from the very beginning are only, you know the David Bowie song, Five Years? Sure. That's because they, they plan to only do it for five years. Bands like that, because it's going to be so high octane, like on the, on the front end of of the music industry in terms of always doing promo, always doing press junkets, always doing photo shoots, always filming, doing something that, that they, they only intend for them. Things are a bit different now, but they only in back in that era, really it would be strange for the plan for a band like that to last longer than five years. Um, now, now it's different. Because the music industry has changed since that time because that was the era before the internet really took over. Yes, I think it would be a very different experience now, actually, and and probably a lot more unpleasant with trolls and all the rest of it. You know, it's quite nice that social media wasn't so apparent. This is about 20 years ago, isn't it? We're we're sort of looking at, you were sort of 20 to 25 during S Club 7. Is is that right? Am I, 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 is my math correct there? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, You've got that spot on. What are your residing memories from it, Paul? Because I've I've sort of read, as you can imagine, I've I've kind of looked into your life a little bit recently, and and I've read 
almost conflicting reports. And I guess you've been interviewed at different times. You know, I've, I've read things from, from you saying that you were bored and it was tedious to, you know, you absolutely loved it and being on stage was amazing and exhilarating and so on. In the here and now, in 2022, your chance to look back now, what, what is your sort of overriding view of, of your time in the band? Oh, I loved it. Uh, it was great. It was a great thing to have done. Um, and, and when you said that it was a bright, shining star, I mean, great to be involved in something that was so successful. Yes. Even though, even though it was for kind of a short time, a short period, still amazing for, to be involved in something like that. And I look back on the filming of the, of the TV show very fondly because the recording of the songs was very much like this studio here, that studio. It was, that was really quite piecemeal. It was like as and when we could get in a studio, wherever we were, whatever we were doing at the time. Um, so it wasn't really, we never had that. So my experience previously of being in recording studios and post is like, oh, you bed in for a week or two. And you sort of, that studio feels like a home. Yeah. Um, and that was, that was maybe one of my, well, I wouldn't say it's a negative thing because it was still great to work in some of the best studios with some of the best producers and writers and stuff. But we never really, I mean, we never spent more than a day in a studio. Okay. So it, it, in bits and pieces, because that's what one of those acts being in an act like that is like, um, it was often like a photo shoot and an interview in the morning. Oh, and in the afternoon, you're just going to be doing the vocals for this track. Which is yeah. almost kind of the wrong way around, isn't it? You know, the music has to be first. It's the most important bit. It's, it is your brand, but, but clearly not. That's, that's where the, that's where the sort of heavy influence of having people telling you what to do comes in, isn't it? You know, this, this is what I need you to be today. Yeah, basically. Did you feel like a piece um, of the machine, Paul? Did you feel like you were a cog in a, in a big machine or did you feel famous and individual, if that makes sense? No, definitely the former, definitely the former, but, but, to be a cog in a machine that's doing well is is a good thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it felt I, at the time. I have to say, it felt like a good machine to be in um, because it was working well. Yes. There was there was many many people involved in it being successful. Um. I mean when I think back and I think of all the different people from all the different record companies all over the world, I mean, we're talking like a few hundred people, not excluding the band members. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, probably about tw just in the UK alone, maybe 30, 40 people right. being involved in it at some point or another behind the scenes. Yes. Yes, it is. It's, it's funny, isn't it? It's, it's such a big, it's a product. It's almost like a West End musical. You know, you only see the stars on the stage, but you don't realise everything that's going in around the background and, and everything that's going on until you look in the programme and it's like, oh, wow, there's pages and pages and pages of names. End of a movie. Yeah. You know, they, they kind of, end of a movie sometimes runs for seven, eight, 12 minutes just with names yeah. from people involved. Same sort of thing with what you're saying with S Club 7. You know, all those names involving kind of people with great talent doing things that, that are completely unseen, but all part of the machine. I mean, with that yeah. in mind, Paul, de a delicate question, this one, and I realise some people hate talking money, so you don't have to, you can skip it if you want, but as you were one of the stars, you were one of the seven, did it make you wealthy? Um, I think it's probably best to skip that question. <laughs> Fair enough. 
Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, the, the reason why I ask it is it's not sort of curiosity in the in the sense of you, you you just established hundreds of people involved in making this product therefore there's only so much money that can go around everyone needs to be paid but i was i was wondering on the hierarchy of the payroll if you see what i mean because it is a band that as a unit must have generated millions and millions and millions so i'm now not talking about your income paul i'm talking about the band's income it must have been, I mean, potentially close to billions, actually, worldwide, when you think about sales, licensing, the TV show, etc. I mean, it, it made a fortune, didn't it? Well, I, uh, yeah, I reckon it did. I'm not going to disagree with that. I don't know exactly how much it did make, but yeah. I mean, if you've got a syndicated TV show in 142 territories, um, and plus there was a, a, an actual club to join with the membership, um, so a subscription going on there. So that's not even including the music. Um, I mean, yeah, it, it, it must have made a lot of money. Um, I think, though, what's important to remember with manufactured pop groups, there are, there are, when you've got so many people involved, when there's so many people behind the scenes that have put it together, let's say, and it's, and it's their idea. Um, they, of, of course, there's a lot of people. How am I going to put this? Well, there's a lot of people having a slice of the party. Yeah. Yes. So, yes. I mean, I mean, was that something that you? I don't mean. Again, I'm not. I'm not trying to get too invasive on on personal income. But but when you were, let's say, you were performing on, on one of these massive arenas, which you guys did a lot, and you also, you also had things like sponsorship deals with, I think, I think Pepsi and and various other massive massive brands. I mean, this is colossal revenue generation. When you're when you're in the middle of that, did you feel like? you were getting your share. That's, that's what I mean. Did you feel like you were, you were seeing a fair portion for your effort? <laughs> I, I really think I should avoid answering that question. Fair enough. I'm, I'm not trying to catch you out here, Paul. That's not my, that's not my, Sorry, that's not my bag. No, 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 no. That's, that's completely fair enough. Yeah. I, I will interpret it in my own way then. <laughs> and, and, and yeah, I mean, cause well, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I, I remember speaking to Tina uh, a few months ago and, and, I sort of got the impression from her that uh, that she had found things difficult after band life, which indicated to me that that there was a decent salary, but not a not a mind blowing one. If that makes sense, right, right. I think that would be that would be a fair assumption to make. Yes, that's <laughs> that, that's where I'm getting at. It, 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 the band hasn't being in the band hasn't made you all multimillionaires. That's that's the point I'm making. Which I think when you think about your exposure and the number of people that knew you, knew your name, had your pictures on their wall and so on, you'd probably expect you all to be. That's what I mean. I, I, I think that's a fair thing to say. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I, I sound like I'm trying to trick you out here, Paul, and I'm really not. I'm, I'm just sort of trying no. to trying to level it, <laughs> level it out for people so they understand. You know, it, yes. it's one of those ones, you're in the biggest pop, pop group in the world, but you're not necessarily seeing a return on that com comparative to the money that's being generated. That's what I mean. I'm not saying that you weren't paid properly or fairly. I'm saying that, that you know, you didn't necessarily get the biggest slice of the pie to use your, your kind of yeah. analogy. That's what I well, mean. Well, 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 talking about the, so after it had finished moment that you mentioned there, it, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't that long before, you know, I think uh, probably everyone had to find work pretty quickly. Yeah. And to, to, to keep paying the bills. <laughs> and that, that's the surprise of it all. You know, that's the thing. You, you sort of, 
as a naive, as I say, we're the, we're the same age. You know, I've been in telly for, for 25, 30 years. But, you know, so people just always assume that you must be rich. You know what I mean? Because you work in show business. People just look at you and just think because of the nature of the job, oh, you must be loaded. You know, no one sees the reality. It's just this assumption that showbiz equals vast wealth. And mm. and I certainly would have been ignorant to that as well. I would have assumed, you know, once S Club le- was, was, was over for you all, you guys wouldn't need to work again because you'd have enough money banked up. You know what I mean? I'll go and buy a pub like an old footballer would kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's that funny thing. Have you found, uh, let, me, let me just do one more thing about S Club and then we'll move on from it, Paul, because I, I feel like we're getting caught up in a, in a money pit trap, which I'm not meaning to go to. Um, but the other question I have for you is a bit of a delicate one as well. And you might, you might ask me to move on and that's fair enough. But you did for, for a fair chunk of your time in the band, you had a very public relationship with another band member, Hannah. And it was a very sort of, you know, you were, you were kind of, pictured in, in this is this cute perfect couple and so on and so forth mm. i get the sense after the fact that that was a real relationship that that wasn't manufactured that that wasn't you were told to be together and that was that that, that you actually really you really were together and you really did love each other and so on is, is am i correct yes yes right Yes, so, you are correct. <laughs> which is, do you know what? And so I've got a couple of feelings about that, Paul. Not that you care what I think, but you know, firstly, that it's nice to know that you weren't forced to be together. Because again, with a manufactured pop group, the cynic in me thinks that everything you do, from from whatever you wear to what you're eating to the people you're speaking to and photographed with, and so on, the cynic in me thinks that it's all pre-planned by someone else. So it's nice to know that actually, no, you you really were in a relationship. But then there's the other part of me which feels a bit sad because because obviously it ended. So I'm I'm sorry about that. Oh no, that's quite all right. That's quite all right. It was um, I think it was something that just worked while we were working together, and then stopped working when when we weren't working together. I think it is actually that simple. Yes, it's funny when you're when you're on the same team, things are working, and then and then I mean, talk to me about the end of it, Paul. When it when it all finished. What happened for you individually? I don't care about the rest of the band. I'm not talking to them. I'm talking to you. What was, when the, when the kind of stop button was pressed, what became your reality? Um, um, writing songs, um, working, with, working with musicians, um, studio time, booking studio time. I, I did a demo, um, handed in some demos to managers and record companies. I mean that was the that yeah that that was the preceding couple of two three four years. I, I, no, actually, and then continued with different people. I mean, I have handed over the years. I have handed in a fair few demos to different managers, different record companies. Um, not not in recent years, but I probably actually, in fairness, spent ooh, maybe eight years doing that, and then thought to myself, "Hang on a minute." <laughs> I can't keep doing this if it's not working out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but 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 that shows you still had the bug for it. You still wanted to be performing live music. Oh, very much so. I, I one of my, my favorite bit of the gig is the performing on stage thing. I, I I actually I look back at the acting very very fondly, but the the the, the peak of the job then for me at that age was yeah, performing on stage. I have to say, though, at the age I am now, I still, I don't have the same sort of desire. Um, I mean, I've performed on stage so much. I'm not saying I 
it isn't still a thing that I like, but um, I'm not I'm not as crazy about it as I used to be. No, it's an itch that you've you've scratched. I mean, uh, I mean, if I if I was to say to you, look, Paul, let's let's imagine, uh, you know, things didn't finish the way they were, and S Club was still going. You were still doing it now with all of all of you in your forties. The dance routines are going to be a little bit slower, you know, <laughs> and and so on. There'll be there'll be some knee patches on certain members of the band because they and so on. But would you still my left knee? <laughs> <laughs> my left knee wouldn't be able to take it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll sit this one out. Yeah, I'll just I'll just be on the corner for this one. This routine's a bit punishing or whatever. But but you know, but nonetheless, if there was a way to still keep it going, would you? Would you like that as a reality? Would you like that still to be going, or, or is it is it long gone and happily long gone? Oh, definitely the latter. There, um, I'm very I'm at peace with it. I love what we did. I look back on it very fondly. I love seeing the guys when they appear on TV every now and again. Um, I'm I don't have a hankering to still be doing it. No, no. What about fame? Paul, how, what, what does fame mean to you? Do you? Would you still like to be sort of on everyone's bedroom wall? Would you still like to be a, a household name? Because I think I would, I would vouch say if you're still famous, but in terms of heavily in the public eye, that's obviously changed for you recently. Would you? Do you like being famous? Would you like to be more famous than you are at the moment? Um, do you know, so the interesting thing there is I've never, even from my youth, through to now, I've never really put an enormous value on it. I, I definitely, I don't mind it. It's so it it's okay. It depends what you can do with it. It depends what sort of good you can do. Yeah. I mean, being famous for the sake of being famous has never appealed to me at all. Um, but. Being famous as a byproduct of what you do, and that doesn't necessarily have to be something in showbiz. Um, you know, you could be an artist, an author. Sure. Many things. I mean, there are scientists who are famous. So, yeah. I, 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 I've always had what I consider to be quite a healthy relationship with fame. I mean, it, it is a byproduct of being good at what you do. Yes. Yes, that, that, that's a very fair way of looking at it. So you're not, again, paraphrasing here, but you're, you're not sort of looking to, oh, I don't know, go in the jungle or, well, it's not the jungle at the moment, is it? It's a, it's a castle in Wales. I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. Or, or, or strictly come dancing or the one on ice and so on. That, that doesn't hold any draw to you because, of course, something like that would reignite your name in, in a vast number of the, the, the kind of publics and, and so on. So that, that's never been something that you've, courted or craved no no i haven't but if they did ask i mean um i wouldn't say no no okay let's be honest it's not really my thing mm. but i would seriously consider it and maybe i wouldn't necessarily say no um actually even just saying that out loud i know that it's not really something that i would want to do but i i just think you know never say never okay Okay. Because you just don't know. You just don't know what kind of thing might happen. Um, you know, sometimes for certain people, going on these things turns out to be a really good idea. But I'd say, uh, for balance, that it often also turns out to not to be such a good idea. 
What, what, what do you think, Andy? I, I would suggest it depends on your agenda. You know, if, if for me, I've always, I've always thought these things aren't, aren't, I mean, not that I would ever get asked. I'm, I'm mercifully able to sort of navigate around that with, with this glorious and anonymous life that I lead. But if I was ever asked, I would absolutely be hard pass because there's a very private side to me that I like to keep private and I've, I've never courted fame, but similarly I've never performed in front of hundreds of thousands of people screaming my name like you have. And therefore I might see that as an easy way to get back to that. Do you see what I mean? Right. But but it would have to be the right one. You know, it it wouldn't be one of these like, you know, celebi barge trips with, with people from, you know, the, the, the late 70s, it, w- it, would, it would have to be one of the very high profile, you know the salary is great for going in. I mean, I think it's a reasonably well-known thing that the I'm a celebrity, get me out of here, pay pretty darn well. You know what I mean? So you'd, you'd get a few bills paid quite quickly and if you do well in there and you're real and honest and the public dig you, hallelujah. I mean, I can see both sides of it. Well, you've just made me remember with that phrase you just said there, what one of my best mates said to me. He said, he said, Paul, because the thing is, he was encouraging me to go on one of them. And he was saying, but you're such a nice guy. You, you, you're going to do well because all you've got to do is go on there and be yourself and people are going to like you. Yeah. And I, and I just thought, oh, that's fair play, mate. That's such a, thanks for saying so. Yes. Um, but it didn't, it's, it's been an interesting one because I have turned some of those things down. Not, not actually any of the big ones. Because there was a point in my life, and now I'm going back maybe 10 years to being like 33-ish, um, when I probably would have said yes. And at that point in time, just because the fates had it that way, I wasn't asked. Um, so at the point in time when I would have said yes, I wasn't asked. Right. Um, but I have sort of, yeah, I've, I've, I've turned a lot of those things down. More like the the lesser known things. What did you describe? A, a barge trip? Well, like, you know, you've got things on a farm and I'm not knocking any yeah, of those shows, I, by the I, way, I, nor the people yeah. that do them. It's just, no, you're asking no, my me opinion. Neither. No, me neither. I'm, I mean, I'm going to be honest. I really don't watch that much TV and haven't for quite a few years. I mean, I, I, I watch what, you know, I pick certain things to watch. Um, like um, on iPlayers and things. I don't, I mean, I I haven't sat down with a remote in my hand and watched the TV like a normal person for absolutely years. Wow. Um, You're missing out, uh, Paul. There's some great shows out there. <laughs> but while we're on that subject, though, but see, maybe it's because of my age, though, but you know the great pottery throwdown? Okay. You've seen that? So I, I think that's quite good. Hello, I'm Amber. I work for the team that bring you this show and the Driven Chat podcast. And we love that you're listening. It would be really cool if you could just chuck us five stars, subscribe and tell your friends. Thank you. The Andy J podcast. So, well, you see, there we go. A celeb version of that. That could work. You know, like I was thinking while you, whilst you were sort of talking that I was thinking, well, something like a MasterChef then. You know, you get to show your personality and there's a skill going on. You know, right. so, do, do you see what I mean? It's, it's kind of less, you're less yeah. at the um, kindness of an editor. So I made a huge mistake. By, I got asked to go on MasterChef and that was a mistake. I, I, I didn't go on. Oh. They asked me to go 
And I, and that was so big mistake. I should have said yes. You should have said, even I was sounded out about MasterChef once. So, you know, that's it. <laughs> you should have yeah. said yes. I said no as well, but I don't think that, I don't think the inquiry was particularly serious. You know? but, but other, other than, I mean, I can do a shepherd's pie. I can do sort of pasta dishes. Um, I wouldn't say I'm at the, at the moment. I, when they asked, uh, I just had this sort of shock of fear. Of, well, I can't really cook. <laughs> Love it. I can't, I, can't, I can't cook for toffee. Do you know, there is one thinking about it now, Paul, talking about me again, apologies. But back when I was on Children's ITV, which I absolutely loved, it, we had lined up to do, um, to be on the celebrity uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? And I was going to be on there with my puppet. I had a puppet sidekick called Swag, which was this Hessian sack that lived in a, in a vault. And I was, I've I got to admit, I was excited and terrified. And then it didn't happen. It didn't, it didn't quite go through. There was something that there was a spanner in the works and, and we never kind of went through with it. And I yeah. can remember speaking to someone that I, that I really respect. And he said to me, well, the thing is, you could have gone on there and absolutely loved it. But similarly, the whole country could have thought you were totally dumb when you had a mind blank on an easy question. You know, and it's like, that's a, such a good point. Because, you know, yeah. you, you, you don't know. Going on a quiz show, there's there's so much that could go wrong. So puppetry, hey, that's one of the uh, underrated skills of showbiz. Oh I yeah, think. puppeteers are great time. as well. They are great fun. Yeah, yeah, that is that is awesome. Yeah, it was my producer that was that, that operated the puppet as well. That was the crazy thing, you know. He was. <laughs> It was it was the weirdest thing. Like I'm there for my rehearsal stuff, meeting this producer who's this guy that's done Blue Peter and all these like all these amazing TV shows and stuff. You you've probably been on many shows that he was producing, and so I'm like, oh my word, I'm learning from one of the best. And then I go into the studio and he's he's kind of lying down under this vault, sticking his hand in the puppet, and I'm like, what's going on? Oh yeah, I do the puppet as well. Nuts, great, amazing, top top man, loved it, loved every second. But sorry, Paul, we've we've digressed to me, which is a big mistake. Nobody wants no, to hear about cool. my life. <laughs> no, that's good. This is good. That's yeah, it's all good fun. Great it's all good fun. No, it's a lovely bit of back and forth. Um, Paul, I said in the intro, so, I, you know, it won't be a huge surprise, to, to you know, when it comes up now. But again, apologies. It's just something that is in your timeline. There is there is a bankruptcy in there, which can we explore that a little bit? We don't have to go into massive detail, but, you know, it's 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 a blot on the coffee book, isn't it? It can't have been a fun time. No, yeah, those are those are often dark times. I mean, for anyone who experiences that, um, it's quite difficult. It's not as rare. It's not that rare for people who have been in pop groups to experience that later on at yes. some point. I mean, when I when I actually looked into it myself, I was quite shocked by how many people who had done a similar job to me had also been in that position. Um, but yeah. And that's kind of really all I want to say about it, if that's okay. Yeah, no, look, that's that's completely fair enough. Can I make an assumption, and you can tell me if I'm right or wrong, and then and then we'll absolutely move on. My assumption was, you know, you'd made some money from the band, the band stopped, and therefore the money ran out. It, it, was it something sort of like that? Yeah, yeah, that's a fair assumption. Not maybe. I mean, I was actually working on certain things, so. I think the money you're referring to that ran out possibly ran out quite a bit before then. Okay. Um, but yeah, I I just wasn't getting enough gigs at the time doing DJing, public appearances in nightclubs. I wasn't getting enough of it. Yeah. And then that happened. Yes. Not yes. that I'm not not that I've ever been work shy at doing you know regular menial work. I mean, 
I've worked in bars, pubs, nightclubs before before everything. Mm. When I was eighteen, nineteen, um, I worked in canteens. All, all that you need to put. So yeah, I got the scholarship which paid for my fees at drama school, but I also needed some money to live and spend. Absolutely. So, canteens. I was a postman as a temp for three months. Probably one of my favourite jobs. I was going to say um, these these aren't menial jobs. Just to, just to pick you up on that word, Paul. These are, you know these are good good honest jobs. You know these are they are these are good are. good careers for for a lot of our listeners that, that I think will be very proud to do them. And, and you know I'm not telling you off there. Just wanted to sort of I was expecting you to come out with something that that is actually menial. And I'm like no these are these are decent decent jobs. Good way to earn livings. Um, but yes, yeah, sorry, I, I, you're quite right. Pick me up on that because. And that's why I actually said that you know, being a postman, I, I mean, I was literally 18, 19, uh, and I, it's my favourite job. And picking and packing as well. Yeah. Um, uh, picking it. So one day in the uh, picking and packing warehouse, one of the forklift trucks had knocked over the uh, Blackthorn cider kegs <laughs> and then oh. smashed on the floor. Oh, I bet the smell um, was amazing. Absolutely. Thank <laughs> for a week. <laughs> Thanks for a week. Um, wow. that, that was that that was that was that was all right. I mean, I was lucky. I was working with um, I was working with interesting people. Yes, yes. That's that's the thing with most jobs, isn't it? It's it's not. It's often not the actual process of the job. It's the people that you're with. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, when I worked, so St Albans Cathedral has a refectory, the tea rooms, and I worked there as a pot washer. Um, I think I did that for like a few years. Um, but luckily enough, like everyone, everyone was cool. Everyone, um, well, not everyone, but there was quite a few of us who were of the same age. Um, quite a few of us were teenagers. Um, quite a few girls from the girls' school of uh, St. Albans. Magic. <laughs> Magic. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Many perks to that job, Paul. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, listen, Paul, how are you doing now, man? Because it's—I want to talk about this, you know, psychic detective life and so on. And I, and I feel like we've we've sort of only really scratched the surface on on what's brought you to where we're at now. But I'll be honest with you: before we were speaking, I wasn't sure what sort of headspace I'd find you in, and I mean that with kindness. I don't, you know, I, I sort of I didn't know whether you'd be sort of because I've. I've as you can imagine, I've, I've done lots of research on you. I've read up on various different things, lots of random quotes and so on. And, I, and I've, you know, when you hear the word bankruptcy, you sort of think, oh gosh, someone must be really flat. But, but you've, you've moved on from that. You don't sound like you're down in the dumps and, and in a bad place, if, if you don't mind me saying so. We've never met before. So I, you know, I've obviously, maybe this is your default, but you sound, you sound grounded and together and, and, and upbeat. Yeah. Yeah. I feel great. I, I feel like I'm in a really good place. Definitely. Thanks. Thanks for noticing. It's uh, definitely the zone that I'm in. Um, I think that's a lot to do with meditation, centering work, grounding work, grounding meditations um, that has sort of ended up leading me to what I'm doing now. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't stress enough how good meditation is. I know it's something it's, it's becoming quite fashionable. Um, I started it about 10 years ago and really if you're someone who's listening who's thinking of starting I mean it, it doesn't matter who you are where you're from what you do it's it's 
it's just a really good way of, on the very basic level of it, just getting oxygen to the brain, calming the nervous system down, um, taking the blood pressure down, and just calming yourself. Now, it, it, there are different types of, when you get experienced, so if you're someone doing it for the first time, all you need to do is focus on the breath. That's all you need to do. Breathing in and breathing out. And just every time your mind starts to wander, just pull your concentration or your focus back to the breath. But then as you get experience, there are other types of meditation that you can do. Yes. Yes, it certainly sounds like it's something that you are, you are well versed in, Paul. I mean, was this, was this sort of fundamental in, what's the right word, hitting the big reset button? Is that, is that a fair way of looking at it? Yep. Yep. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, but also, going within, as one of the expressions is, um, um, yeah, going inside yourself. The secrets and mysteries of life are inside us. Right. So it's, it's and you can find balance from that point. Now, is this is this separate to? Because I, I sort of said in the intro, you, you're you're now a psychic detective, and I want to know exactly what that is, incidentally, please. But what the, the phrase you just used there, going inside oneself and finding the secrets and so on, is that the psychic detective side of you, or are you just saying that's that's something every man can do? That's that's part of this meditation and the breathing and focusing on yourself and so on. Are those interlinked, or are they separate things? Well, I do have a process. So if I'm going to do a tarot reading, psychic reading. I do have a grounding meditation process before that. Um, I, you know, 15, 10 minutes beforehand, I'll just center myself. But so they are interlinked in that way, but absolutely not in terms of it's something that everyone can do. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what you are. It doesn't matter. Yeah, literally anyone can do it. And it's really good to center yourself. So, one of, my, one of my brothers, he's an estate agent, and he was dealing with someone recently who told, and he didn't expect this guy to say, oh, yeah, I center myself every single morning. I do. And he, he was quite shocked. He was surprised. He didn't expect this guy to say that he does meditation every morning. So, yeah, it doesn't matter what you do, what your profession is. Yes, it's, it's, it is becoming a sort of widely recognized thing that, that, that it, it's almost... If you know what I mean, it's almost like a, a biohack, like a, a life cheat, you know, it, that people are suddenly realising, well, hang on a sec, if I, just, if I just do some closed eyes, deep breathing and so on, my, my day is probably going to be better. My mood's going to lift. I'm going to have more energy. I'm going to have the white blood cells are going to be fizzing around and so on. It's one of those things that people are now cottoning on. You can do this and you can be having your peak performance life, as it were. So I think it's one of those things that we're going to see more and more and more of as it becomes yeah. the sort of everyday. You know, I know that, the, you know, one of my kids has it in, as, as part of a school lesson and so on, which I think is lovely. So, yeah, I think it's going to become more mainstream is the word I think I was looking for there, Paul. Definitely. I think so too. This is a separate, that is a, a different topic to the the tarot, the psychic detectives. Can, can we talk about that, Paul? Because I am fascinated. Now, we do have to be a little careful with some of the things we say because we can't, for broadcasting regulations and guidelines, I'm sure you're aware of this, we can't sort of be seen to be leading the audience in any way. You can't kind of hypnotise us or anything like that, Paul. So <laughs> I'm, I'm going to ask you some very dumb questions because that's all I've really got. I've only got dumb questions. But... Um, I mean, this is very different to a pop star, right? You, you know, you, you've gone from having this amazing life on stage and, and TV shows and so on and so forth to, to now, as you, as you said, 
tarots and, and psychic detectiving. Firstly, what is that? What does that mean? Apologies, I'm, dumb questions, like I say, but what is it? So one of the main things, I, I, I got that name, actually, I should say first. I got called that because I did a course in tarot reading just recently, and that the, the head tutor gave me that name. Oh, cool. And it, and it stuck. Um, it is to do with, so the main thing, the main work of a psychic detective is psychometry. Um, being able to hold objects and know what has happened with them, what has been done with them, being able to look at photos and getting a sense of what has happened post, hence, and pre the photo being taken. Um, what? Hang on. That's, crikey. Would, Paul, I've got to stop you just for a sec. Is that something, is that something you learnt on a course or is that something that's been with you forever? Oh, so I actually... I got it quite late in life. I got it in my early 20s, which, having discussed it with lots of psychics, that's actually quite late to get it. To, to, well, not to get it. It was always there, but I wasn't aware of it. It was actually when I was working in LA that I was first aware of it, and it came to me, and I thought, oh, if I discuss this, people think I'm going to be crazy. Okay. <laughs> so what, really so what like, like, like you could be, you could pick up like a paperweight on a desk, for example, and you'd know that that paperweight was once owned by, I don't know, Larry the Butcher or whatever it might be. Is, is that, now, like, yes, if you, it is that sort of thing. That isn't, I mean, it's, it's, it's a branch of being a psychic. It's a branch of what I've done. Um, and talking to, talking to people who have passed away, I was just going to find the right way of phrasing that. Talking to people who have passed away is another one of the things. It's another skill within that zone. Goodness me. I mean, when you tapped into that, Paul, was that, was that a bit weird? Were you a bit like, what the heck's going on? I mean, did, yeah. was, it, was it a bit like just hearing voices? Did you think you were going a, li a little bit nuts? 100%. Yep, that was my fear. Um, so it really came on strong when I was like 22, 23, but then later in my early 30s, it came on strong again. I wouldn't, I wouldn't ever say that I was, uh, I never got the thing like I was hearing voices, but I was seeing things like, so it's described as intuitive downloads from the universe is the sort of stock phrase that is used currently. Just things, ideas, memories, maybe other people's memories just come rushing into you or came rushing into me. Sorry. Um, at, at these sort of two different points in time. And yeah, for sure. I, at first I did think that, Oh my God, is everything okay with me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, like looking back at that point now, I think that that was quite normal to react like that. But I, but it didn't, once I started meditating and really sort of honing it, I got real control of it. Um, my, my thing was that I would be sign, seeing symbols and signs absolutely everywhere. Like I couldn't almost look at a sign, be it a sign on the motorway or an advertisement on a billboard or or an advert on a truck or a bus. I couldn't almost look at any of them without them speaking to me in a certain way, but not speaking to me like a voice, speaking to my subconscious, 
speaking or to my actual awareness, my conscious awareness. No wonder you don't need to watch telly, Paul. There's a lot going on. Yeah, for real, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, totally. So is that, so is that you're constant now? Are, are you constantly tuning into things that other people can't see and hear? Yes. To say that other people can't see and hear is a bit, I mean, everyone, everyone, everyone has psychic abilities to one degree or another. Everyone does. Whether it's as simple as thinking of someone and then they text you or they call you or thinking of a song and then it happens to come on the radio or on the shuffle. Um, that, that, that is it in its sort of budding form. And every single person does have it in varying degrees. Now, now I've worked on it quite a lot. Yeah. Um, it's something that I have a lot more control over. I don't now get things just sort of jumping out at me on a daily basis. Well, it, it was like an hourly basis at one point. I don't have things jumping out at me and sort of speaking to me in that kind of way so much now. I can switch it on or switch it off. Oh, that's but okay. I, I, right. but, but a good way to train your intu intuition is when you walk into a room, when you walk into a room for the first time, if it's got just like a few people in that room, just go tap into what your sixth sense is getting. What is your sixth sense feeling about the conversation they may have already had or the energy of the room? Now, I've gotten to the point where I can walk into a supermarket and get a good sense of the general energy of every single person in there. Um, so, which, which is quite tricky. You can't really do that at first. But like, like as a small example, you know, sometimes when you walk into a room and you know that the people in the room have been talking about you and they've changed subject to make it look like they haven't. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because it sort of hangs in the air. Yeah. Um, and you could almost cut the air with a knife. There's that sort of smell of guilt. Yes. Yeah. You can, just, you can tell. <laughs> it's sometimes quite an obvious thing or something else that does work is, um, you know, and I, I have actually played this as a game. You walk into a room, hum the tune to a song, and see how many people walk into that room and start singing that song for some reason. Uh, it's, it sort of puts it out there into the ether. Wow. Okay. So you have this ability. You're, you, presumably you then start to kind of look into it. You kind of, you're aware of it. You know that it's something that you're doing, that you've got going on. And, and, and what, at some point you thought, well, hold on, I need, I need to master this. I need to, I need to, this is a gift, as it were. I need to, I need to become better at it. Yes. So you, you go on, you, presumably you, you, you start researching and so on, you find this place, you, you go on this course. And, is, and so, I mean, was this life changing? Was this revolutionary for you? Or was it sort of, of course I can do this now because this explains that. And was it like the pieces of the puzzle were coming together? 100%. I couldn't have put it better. It was like, I always felt like there were some missing jigsaw pieces to my life that I couldn't quite fit and things just really clicked. Even, even going, so even in recent years, going back to the beginning of lockdown, I didn't at that point in time know that I was going to be reading tarot publicly or privately as well. When I first, I designed a tarot deck 
because I was just, oh, art, yeah, I know. Like we were all doing at the beginning of lockdown. What are these things that I love that I can do on my own when I'm in solitude kind of stuff? Yes. And I'm, I've always loved art. And it just came to mind, I'm going to design a tarot deck. And even at the point when I was designing it, I didn't think, maybe it was because I was nervous to um, do like public collective readings. I didn't think I would be. But it wasn't long after, literally, when I sent it off to the publishers and got it back, I, as soon as I got it back, I was like, I'm going to be using this to do readings. Gosh, right. So you had you designed your, I mean, again, excuse my ignorance of tarot. It's not something I've ever done before. You know, it's only something I've kind of seen on movies and, and I'm probably a little bit scared of it. In the same way that when you say, you know, you can, you can I'm paraphrasing again, you can speak to dead people. You know, that, that again is... With 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 all respect in the world, there's a degree of cynicism that that I have to apply there because I'm like, can you though? And and there's also like, crikey, <laughs> I would say on the on the speaking to people that have passed away, that isn't my main zone. I know people who are really really good at that, and that is their main thing. Um, I just have done a few times. Okay. okay. Um, but there are people who do that whole and solely, and that is their zone. That is their zone of, of, um, of genius, let's call it. Um, so sorry, what were you saying? Yes. No, the, I'm, the, I'm, the I'm, I'm just, the yeah, I'm just, just sort of trying to, trying to wrap my head around it. Cause it is, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a different world, isn't it? It's almost sort of something that people are, I use this carefully. It's something that some people are a bit scared of, Paul, probably myself included a little bit you know, because it's the unknown. Yes. So this has come to mind very much. So just in uh, speaking to people, doing a few interviews recently, yes. People are scared of it, and there's absolutely no need to be. It's a tool. Tarot is a tool, just like a pen. You can write an amazing novel with a pen, or you can stab someone in the buttocks. But not, so, but not a koala, because they have extra padded buttocks, just for what it's worth. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I've met a few koalas when I was in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> excellent, excellent. Sorry. Um, koala tangents um, no. are always great. <laughs> but, so. It's a tool. Now, I've noticed I, it isn't difficult to pick up on because even one of my mates, when he saw my tarot deck, he was like, will it tell me if I'll die? And, and I was like, no, it's not about that. It's not about that. People often, I think, I don't know if it's because of the movie Live and Let Die. People just think the tarot is a death thing. It's right. not at all in any way. In fact, that card means rebirth. It means life. It means transition. Gosh, I mean, it's, it is fascinating. I mean, so this is something that you now, do you make a living doing this now, Paul? Is this something that, that you know, our listeners, can they, can they book a session with you? Is that, is that a service that now, is it your job effectively? Yes, yes. I did a few private readings yesterday, uh, one for Australia, one for Canada, um, one for Italy. Um, yes, but that, that, that I mean, I've, I've only just started on the private reading thing. So it's really actually quite good to get three in a day. And I do, um, I answer the phones that ask the answer. There's loads of really good psychics and readers on there. Um, but a lot of psychics don't necessarily use tarot. It's fair to say that. Um, but the tarot, so the tarot, do you want me to just give you a little bit of a rundown on sure. where it came from? What it is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, the modern tarot is from the 15th century. It was, it was basically played in Europe. 
It's an Italian-French thing that used to be a game, just like with playing cards. It's suited, four suits. And just like with playing cards, you've got the pip cards, ace to ten, and then you've got the court cards. Now, there's an extra court card in tarot, which is called the Minor Arcana, and it's the knight. So it goes page, which is jack, knight, queen, king. Okay. So there's 56 minor arcana. There is 22 major arcana. Now, the word arcana means secrets and mysteries. So when a lot of major arcana cards turn up in a reading, it means big energy, big movements, can be representing people. Um, and the minor arcana tends to be, this is generalizing quite a bit, but to just make it basic. Yeah. Uh, tends to be the story of the thing. Um, because the, the whole of the tarot is known as the fool's journey. Now, to be very technical, of the major arcana, the fool is number zero. So, technically, he's not actually included in the major arcana. If we want to be like tarot geeky about it, he's number zero and he is the top trump of the entire deck. And the entire tarot is the fool's journey. Wow. I mean, do you find yourself, Paul, when you're, when you're with your mates or, or just chatting to someone random like me on the phone or whatever, do you find yourself kind of reaching for the cards out of curiosity and just, just for your own sake, sort of seeing what they throw up? Or do you, do you just try and keep them in one place and, you know, not, not reference them too much? Okay, so when I was in my early 20s and I was a tiny little pocket deck, I would pull them out, but not necessarily because of what someone was saying or someone, but I would maybe pull them out just to give myself a very quick reading and maybe just pull three cards. Um, but no, I don't, I don't take them with me. I don't, because you're asking, um, if, if it happens, because it has happened, like a, a, a card, a particular card, the image of a card will pop up in my mind. Right. I don't actually need them with me for that, but I wouldn't, I don't volunteer any of that information. Yes, yes. If I'm out in the pub, I'm out in the pub. Right. And I'm not bringing that energy to the pub. No, no. Well, that's uh, Keep, that, that makes sense. Yeah. I, I must Keep say though, separate. I must say though, Paul, this is the first time you and I have made friends. So we've only, you know, we've only just got to know each other. And and the the shift in your energy speaking about this versus the other things we're speaking about, which you were eloquent about and charming and, and informative and fascinating. But when you started talking about this, this is something that genuinely you can tell fascinates and excites you delights you yes very much so because I, I mean when i started with it i didn't realize just how long it went back i mean i said the modern tarot goes back to the 15th century and it got used for uh divination cartomancy as it's called in the sort of 18th century but it goes way back further than that it goes back to ancient egypt iran the kabbalah i ching the indian tantra I mean, it's something that is at least two thousand years old, probably older. Well, I know. It's, I, know. It's, I still, I still go. I still well, go. Wow, that's amazing. My mind's, my mind's, my mind's a little bit blown, Paul. And I, and I sort of had a rough idea we were going to talk about stuff like this, and I, I'm still kind of like, crikey, I can't get my head around it. But it is, it is fascinating. Um, okay, so this, so this is the new, this is the new sort of pathway for your life this is this is your is this your kind of calling now is this your this is what this is life for you you will be doing this from now on well for the foreseeable future yes 
this is definitely, I feel in my zone and I feel great about it. But in five years from now, maybe I, I will definitely always read tarot cards. That's for sure. Um, whether I'm always doing it publicly or always offering private readings, um, who knows what the future holds. But, I, I mean, basically, if you're asking me to psychically predict my own life... Not really, but no. <laughs> I, was, I wasn't, I mean, I but can, you can if you'd like. <laughs> I, I can see... I, I'm not going to say what it is, because... And I, but I can see big things coming in in the future that might mean I might not be able to do it in the same way. Oh, well, that's exciting. But I will still be able to do it. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, there's a there's a leading finish, isn't there? I mean, that's... that's... <laughs> Sorry. Um, so sometimes, here's, here's a little tip for anyone watching. Sometimes what's really important about your own life is to... Now, no, no one does it on purpose, but if you verbalize out loud to someone, you tell them your plans, your dreams, your hopes, the things that you want, their subconscious is now competing with your subconscious in the ether for your dreams, your hopes, your plans, your schemes, your things. So this is why, you know, we all have this innately within us. We're like, oh, no, I'm going to keep that secret because I really want it to work out. The classic is, for me, in my life, the classic is, done an audition for something i'm not going to tell anyone yes it's the whole jinx don't, don't jinx it yeah 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 absolutely yeah. and the reason for that is because of that thing that i just said about people people's subconscious the human subconscious picks up on absolutely everything everybody everyone's subconscious picks up on absolutely everything it doesn't miss anything so just by the mere fact of you vocalizing it out loud and putting it out there into the ether means that there is a, it's being met in the ether by a challenge of someone else's dreams and hopes, and it might not tally with theirs. And so, you know, don't be afraid to have those sorts of plans secret. So what you're saying to me, Paul, without saying it to me, what you're saying to me is you're the next Doctor Who. <laughs> no. <laughs> when, we, when we catch up next time, and you are, that's going to be amazing. You know, how incredible, like if in five years time you're Doctor Who, I'm going to, I mean, we will talk again. (laughs) (laughs) Doctor Who, what an amazing, hey, what an amazing, just uh, because it hadn't popped into my mind, but uh, amazing franchise. Oh yeah, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. I love it. When you look all the way through the history of it. Yes. Um, Yes, and it's it's uh, and it ever evolves. It's, it's glorious, um, Paul. I'm, I'm mindful of the time now, so just just my last one for you because you do sound in like I say, you do sound in a really good place, which I'm very pleased to hear about actually. And it, it sounds like there are an amazing amazing things fizzing around you, which is which is terrifically exciting. But this will be my ask, given everything that's happened in your life, from your phenomenal chart success to the TV shows to your romantic life and so on and so forth. If I could grant you one wish, what would it be? Mm, now that's really tricky because okay, on a, on on a, on, a, on let's keep it simple, an overseas adventure. Well then, I, I <laughs> just, I'm excited to learn more, Paul. You've you've hooked me in. I will be honest with you. I thought you were going to be a really interesting person to speak to but i i am i'm absolutely hooked i am now a subscriber to the to the paul catamol way of life i want to know what happens to you from from henceforth 
and I and I wish you every every success because um, you've had a journey, my friend. You've had a fascinating journey, but you're living it and you're going for it. So uh, more power to you. Thanks, Andy. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Thanks for wanting to know about the tarot. That's that's awesome. That's really cool. I think it's something that is gonna. I think it's something that people are gonna realize that there's nothing scary about it. That's one of my desires to help people realize that there's nothing scary about it. Yes. And I think that'll be realized from the way you're speaking and, and and there's nothing scary about you. You've been extremely friendly and very, very generous with your time and your thoughts. I appreciate it, Paul. I really do. Thank you. Great to talk to you, Andy. It's been a pleasure. I wish you every success and I hope that it all comes together exactly how you hope. Podcast. Wasn't that riveting? I'm a little bit spun out by the, the stuff at the end. It's well above my pay grade in terms of levels of understanding. I've no idea. And I tried to make that clear to Paul. I've no idea whether any of that stuff is real or if it's just kind of... I don't know. I don't know. He's he certainly... What I am convinced by is his belief that it's real. And I know that people that are involved in it, and I know, and I know people that have gone to it and so on, and have, have used... Um, psychics and, and tarot readers and so on have, have great faith and I'm certainly not being a naysayer I'm not being scathing or sceptical I just don't know um, I find it fascinating and I thought it was really really interesting to hear his journey I and mean, imagine that being a, a huge pop star and then you know a few years later you're now kind of complete tangent in your life he seems very happy and very balanced and, and very together and I can tell you he was great company and I enjoyed his company very much I wasn't sure what he was going to be like uh, when I when I called his number. I was kind of thinking this might be, I don't know, don't know what sort of chat this is going to be, but he was really nice guy, really nice guy. I enjoyed that a lot. So my thanks to Paul and my thanks, of course, to you guys for listening. I really appreciate it. Do make sure you're a follower of the show because we have some whoppers coming up in terms of guests next week. So in a few days' time, I'm delighted to be able to welcome Ella Henderson. She's just a very special lady and I think she's going to be great great company so she's on the way very soon whatever you do in the meantime go well make someone smile be kind and I'll catch you on the flip side Andy J Podcast Even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.